Well, good morning, everyone. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Today's the day of the big game. For football fans, this represents the fan experience that they anticipate is going to be so wonderful. Many chicken wings are going to be uh, sacrificed today, and much pizza will be consumed, not to mention some large amount of Diet Dr. Pepper or whatever. For many football fans, this will represent the ultimate NFL Sunday. A genuine thrill if your team wins. A real mountaintop experience. In the 1980s, I lived with my family in Texas, just as the Dallas Cowboys were becoming prominent and they were winning their first Super Bowl. My family attended a church that was very traditional and worship was from 11 o'clock in the morning until probably just after 12 o'clock. Now, since the Cowboys in those days came on television at noon, uh, you would often see people during the last hymn escaping from the back of the sanctuary. I even saw them leave directly from the communion rail so they could get home in time to catch the game on TV. All this led my pastor at the time to proclaim on one occasion that Tom Landry and the Cowboys had managed to do what Caligula and the terrors of Rome had never been able to accomplish. They emptied the churches. (laughs) Such is the drawing power of the mountaintop experience. One that is exciting, exhilarating, fulfilling, touching, stirring, ultimately so wonderful that we wish it would go on forever. It makes us want to never return to our regular life and activity. This experience could be religious in nature. It could be connected with family, as in the birth of a child, or for some people, even related to sports. In the Gospel lesson today, Luke tells us of the ultimate, or the defining, or the greatest mountaintop experience, the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, it's very easy to draw the wrong lesson from this teaching in Luke, as we shall see in a moment. Jesus goes to a mountain to pray and takes with him Peter and the Zebedee brothers, James and John. While there, Jesus is transfigured. He glows with a heavenly light and he appears white and brilliant and radiant. The prophets Elijah and Moses appear with him. A cloud engulfs them, and the voice of God himself says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. This has great significance for us and qualifies as a great miracle of Jesus. The only miracle of Jesus that happens to Jesus himself. The glory of Jesus is revealed, giving to the disciples and to us a foretaste of the glory of the resurrection. A connection is made between the heavenly and the earthly, between the temporal and the eternal, with Jesus himself serving as the link between these vast differences. Now the disciples were devout Jews who knew the scriptures well. And they knew that on occasion God uses mountaintops and clouds to reveal things to humanity. This happened to Elijah on Mount Horeb with the wind and the earthquake and the fire and hearing the voice of God. 
Also with Elijah at Mount Carmel, where he strikes down the prophets of Baal. Again, it happens with Moses. He receives the Ten Commandments from the cloud-enshrouded top of Mount Sinai. And again, with him being allowed to view the Promised Land, and with his death on top of Mount Nebo. Incidentally, one of my former students thought this was the same Mount Nebo that's in the state park just outside of Russellville. (laughs) Elijah and Moses are present in part because they represent the prophets and the law. The twin pillars of the old covenant, with Elijah being the greatest prophet and Moses being the giver of the law. Thus in Jesus, all the scriptures, all the law, and all the prophets are fulfilled. As this striking and brilliant scene unfolds between, before the eyes of the disciples, Peter, that wonderful human spirit that so frequently stands for the humanity in all of us, says to Jesus, Lord, let me make three shelters so we can stay here. One for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. Peter is so thrilled, so entranced, so enthralled, so ecstatic, that he wants the experience to last forever. He wants to stay on the mountaintop. It is at this point that the cloud engulfs them and they hear the voice of God saying, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. This, of course, signifies the divinity of Jesus. He is the son of God. He has all authority as prophet, priest, and king. Of course, Peter and James and John are terrified. It's hard for us to imagine how very scary such an experience of encountering God in this way would actually be. When the cloud lifts, Elijah and Moses are gone. And Jesus reassures the disciples not to be afraid. Jesus then strictly charges them to tell no one what they have seen. He tells them to tell no one until after his resurrection from the dead. Naturally, they're perplexed. And the question begs an answer for us today. Why does Jesus do this? It is because Jesus is teaching them lesson that is important for them and for us. There is no resurrection without death. There will be no glory without the suffering. Peter and James and John have been privileged to see a small foretaste of the glory of Jesus in his resurrection. And the gospel teaches that we too will share in that glory at our own resurrection through Jesus but not before trials and sufferings that await. Jesus is about to give himself up for them and for us. He doesn't have to go to the cross. He goes willingly because he knows it is the only way to save us from our sins and from death. Of course, they, like us, do not fully understand. But in a very short time... After the passion of Jesus, they will begin to understand. In a few moments, all of us here together in this holy place will hear our priest give the offertory sentence that we have all heard so many times. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us 
an offering and sacrifice to God. This is the essential point of the gospel of our salvation. Many of our fellow Christians, just like Peter, and perhaps all of us at one time or another, really want to stay on the mountaintop because it's so wonderful. Many of us would really prefer a Christianity that is all glory, all enchantment, with no suffering. We want to experience the glory without the suffering. We want the resurrection without the unpleasantness of the sacrifice of the cross. But this is the wrong lesson to draw from the transfiguration. Jesus has borne his cross for us. All of us will bear various crosses during our lifetime. We must, however, seek to become more like Jesus, to suffer in his image. The Apostle Paul knew about suffering and trials. During his ministry at various times, he was shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, and run out of town. We all hope that we can come to the same level of inspiration that Paul experienced when he wrote the following in Romans. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. This is the promise of the transfiguration. This is the proclamation of the gospel. This is the real glory that awaits us. And the transfiguration gives us but a tiny glimpse of the glory that we will one day share with Jesus. This is the message from the mountaintop experience. That we too can share in the glory of the resurrection of our Lord. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is our happiness. And this is our salvation. Amen.